Hey guys, welcome to another Donneron Monologue podcast. Uh, I am your host, Bo. Uh, before we get into it today, as always, we want to thank our sponsor, Ashley Luan K. You can follow her at the Minnesota Nurse on Instagram. So check her uh, Instagram feed out for uh, information on nursing and things of that nature. So guys, today we're going to talk about a game you can't get away with talking about influential JRPGs without talking about, and that is Final Fantasy VII. Uh, Final Fantasy VII is the only Final Fantasy game I'm going to talk about because I do feel like it was the most influential in the West. This is what made Final Final Fantasy existed in the West before VII. Uh, Final Fantasy, the original, came out. Uh, then we released Final Fantasy IV as Final Fantasy II, and then we released Final Fantasy VI as Final Fantasy III. But Final Fantasy VII was the first one where we went back to a normal numbering scheme, so people that already were into Final Fantasy were like, wait a minute, where did uh, two, three, and five go? So those were released later on the PlayStation and remakes. and uh, But but 7, it sort of rode the wave after... Uh, so Chrono Trigger, uh, games like Chrono Trigger and the first two Final Fantasy that were released in... Uh, the first three Final Fantasy that were released in the West sort of made uh, JRPGs kind of a legendary niche thing. It was kind of like, you know, the people that were into punk rock in the late 70s. Like, there wasn't that many of them, but they really liked it. Uh, and so it, after Super Mario RPG made it okay for it to be mainstream, that paved the way for Final Fantasy VII and Squaresoft making the last minute decision to release on the PlayStation, not the last minute decision by any means, but you know what I mean, like leading Nintendo on and then going and just releasing on the PlayStation because they could make a better game on the PlayStation, frankly. Thank goodness they did that. Excuse me. So with all, with all that in mind, in just Squaresoft's expert marketing campaign in the West, and adding to that uh, the fact that Tetsuya Nomura was finally made lead character designer and designed all these characters and made the most iconic characters in JRPG history for this game, all that combined, we received a, a wave in America. I still remember I was in uh, fifth grade when uh, Final Fantasy VII came out, and it was huge. It was the it was the biggest game any of us had ever seen. It absolutely changed the way all me and my friends talked about video games. Uh, I spent an entire summer playing that game. Uh, me and a friend played over summer. Uh, I describe it actually in our book, uh, which uh, actually he said just a, if Adam wants to put an image of the book right here, I, I have a section in the book talking about Final Fantasy VII. One of my favorite games ever. Uh, in fact, the Final Fantasy VII Remake is my game of the year for 2020. I will be making a, a video defending that someday soon, probably when I do my whole week series over Final Fantasy VII. Um, I pretty much decided at this point, I've mentioned it a couple times this week, but at this point I pretty much decided that every game I'm talking about this week, I will do a whole week worth of videos over. Final Fantasy VII has a lot to unpack anyway. So, Final Fantasy VII had fully 3D rendered graphics with pre-rendered backgrounds. It had FMV sequences that just blew the mind for its day. It had, uh, in my opinion, I know a lot of people are going to disagree with me here, but in my opinion, it had Nobu Uematsu's best soundtrack. There was just a lot going for this game. And that whole uh, relating to the characters thing I talked about in Chrono Trigger... Final Fantasy VII perfected it. We love these characters. We love the brilliant Tetsuya Nomura design, which uh, when he became lead character designer, I think Tetsuya Nomura's influence on this game is understated because a lot of people will just maintain, because a lot of people don't really understand the way Japanese companies work when they make video games. 
And so people will look at the credits and say, nope, he was just lead character designer. He just drew him and that's it. He had a lot of influence over who these characters were. That's why this game's so special to him and why it was so important that he uh, direct the remake. So it, these characters are just incredible. I remember by the time we got out of the first reactor, I was already enthralled with the characters. just wanted to know more about them, much less the story. And uh, probably one of the greatest RPG villains of all time, Sephiroth. And it, it sort of established that a character's motivation doesn't mean as much to me because, uh, again, we've talked about this a lot. If you follow the MCU and stuff like that, you're led to believe that a, a villain's motivation is everything. Like, making sure they got a cool motivation is the be-all, end-all. More importantly, though, I almost feel like it's their relation to the main character that makes it truly special and connect with the audience. Because uh, if we've connected with the main character, which is the job of any narrative, is to get you to connect with the protagonist... But when you can connect them to the villain as well, I think that's incredible. And I don't think any um, any medium has done something quite as legendarily well as Sephiroth and Cloud. So you have all this brewing. You have this incredible JRPG, which still has all these traditional JRPG elements, but is really changing the game. The side quest thing we talked about in Chrono Trigger blew up in this game. You've got two whole secret characters. You've just got... It's it's just incredible. It's um it's almost as incredible as this mermaid wall clock I'm looking at on Animal Crossing right now. It's <laughs> Yeah, um the uh a lot of mermaid lovers in the extended Don Donorum family. Um so uh Ariel should have such a clock in her underwater grotto. <laughs> um, so This game swept the um the Brady game strategy guide. The Brady game strategy guide sold over a million copies. This game blew up. It made it made us Final Fantasy lovers, and it came out in 1997, which we talked the other day, guys. In 1997, the world was getting primed and ready for Japanese media to just take over. Uh, and uh, Dragon Ball Dragon Ball Z was coming. It was on its way. Pokemon was on its way. Guys, Final Fantasy VII was was just another uh, mixture in that cocktail um, that we're still ordering <laughs> to this day. But, uh, in fact, Final Fantasy VII, I don't even need to tell you the influence. Just look how big the remake was. Just look at that. That's all from the influence of this original game. So, Final Fantasy VII, uh, the experience of playing it, the, uh, the actual gameplay... I still think is incredible. It had the materia system wherein your character learns spells and skills by equipping these crystals that you level up to learn more skills. Uh, the battles, they they still did the ATB, the active time battle, which I believe was introduced in Final Fantasy IV or Final Fantasy II in the US. And you had a world map to explore and so many side quests once you unlocked more vehicles and more parts of this world. And uh, the American version, it actually, I believe it was the first game to do this, where the American version had bosses that were present in it that weren't present in the Japanese version. And actually, the reason for this, I actually read, I, I read this in The Legend of Kingdom Hearts, a book by Third, third Edition Publishing. Uh, it's an incredible book. I just ordered their Dragon Quest one. I can't wait to read that. But the Kingdom Hearts one is pretty incredible. And it described why, because Kingdom Hearts is notorious for this too, why the West gets a harder game than the Japanese nowadays. Because it used to be just the opposite. They would dumb it down for us. 
But starting with Final Fantasy VII, we started getting this version that had more hardcore elements. The reason why kind of shocked me, and this is just the opinion of the author of uh, The Legend of Kingdom Hearts, but it's something that interests me, and I'd like to know more. So if you have any insight to this, please join our Discord and talk to me about this. I would love to hear more about it. Or uh, even the YouTube comments. Just if you have more insight to this, please, please engage me in a discussion. I want to know more. But the reason why is it says that Americans are more likely to be hardcore gamers than the Japanese. Now, the defense for this in this uh, uh, book, because, of course, now, that statement, saying it as a monolith is ridiculous. Saying it as an absolute is ridiculous, because how would you measure that? But the reason this book gave was very interesting to me, because we have more time as a society. I mean, goofing off is distinctly American. I, I don't know any other country that does that as well as we do. Um, we're spoiled brats. We got all the time in the world to waste. So we're more likely to be hardcore gamers because the Japanese, of course, and again, this is not a monolith, not everyone, but the Japanese have a culture that encourages more discipline than ours. Our, our culture actually encourages rebellion. It really does. So um, the uh, if, if your kid's sitting on the couch too much and not mowing the lawn, that's your fault for raising him as an American. Um, but, <laughs> but, so that's very interesting to me. The idea that we just had more time to fight Emerald Weapon and Ruby Weapon. That's very fascinating to me. I, I really want to talk more about that. And this is the kind of thing that Final Fantasy VII started. Because Final Fantasy VII also started this whole enamoration with the Japanese. That, uh, that it's certainly in my group of friends. So, uh, Final Fantasy VII also introduced something that we hadn't seen in video games a lot. And it was very cool to me and my friends. They cuss a lot in Final Fantasy VII. Like, a lot, a lot. It's absurd. Um, and that, we were, we were fifth grade kids. We thought it was the coolest thing in the world that they were saying ass and bitch in a video game. Like, we just, we just thought it was, it, it was like watching Beavis and Butthead, man. Um, which had just been canceled that year. Sad to say. Um, so... Again, the story to Final Fantasy VII, please play it if you haven't played it. Even if you played the remake, it's different. The two games are, and this is something I argued with Adam over extensively when the game came out. I realize I haven't hated on Adam at all this week. Let's go ahead and do it this video. Uh, I argued with him extensively because he couldn't seem to wrap his mind around an HD remaster and a remake, what the difference is. A remake is a distinctly different game. It could have a completely different story, which Final Fantasy VII Remake did. It went absolutely off the rails. Thank goodness, because the moment I heard Tetsuya Nomura was in charge, I was like, please burn this sacred cow to the ground and rebuild it in your image. Because, And one of the reasons I'm so glad they did this, and I've mentioned this before on the show, because now we have it to where it still makes sense to play the original. It did not replace the original, and I think that's so important because the original still has so much to offer. It's still an incredible game. And I strongly suggest you go out and play it right now. It is also available on iOS. It is on the PlayStation Mini Classic. Um, it sold millions of copies in the U.S., so the game, the actual original discs are still readily available on eBay or Amazon. And uh, it is on the PlayStation 3 Classic Store, which should should be available on the PlayStation 5, or they do they did make a version for the PlayStation 4, which will be available for the PlayStation 5. You could, uh, it's, it's released on the Xbox th uh, One on its online store. You can play it on the Switch. No reason not to play the original Final Fantasy VII. Guys, if you liked what you saw today, please like, share, and subscribe. Let your friends know about it. Our, uh, we still got that merch going. We still got that uh, uh, Patreon going. Guys, all that comes back into making this a better show. 
and I think we already have a very fine show, so I'm, I'm excited to make it better. And uh, again, like I said before, please join the Discord. And if you join the Discord, hop on the PlayStation channel or the uh, Nintendo channel, whichever channel you want, just at me. Uh, I'm Super Nintendo on the Discord because um, that name's just going to stick with me forever, I guess. Um, so uh, I don't like it, but it works. It sells, I guess. But <laughs> the, uh, you know, his real name wasn't Rock Hudson. Um, but so uh, engage me there. Please let me know if you have any insight over to the argument of hardcore gamers, Japanese culture versus American culture. Um, so in any way, guys, uh, I really hope to see you on the Discord. Please join us. We'll catch you next week or tomorrow. We'll catch you tomorrow. Don't forget to tune in tomorrow. <laughs>